0: This morning, of course, I'm going to be talking about the parable of the lost sons. And so what I find very interesting for me, is that often I find that the emphasis is placed on the lost son. But as I began to go through this passage during the week, I started to realize that actually the older son was probably just as lost as the younger son. I believe it was. Okay, and I'll begin by reading Luke 15, verses 1. And it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Okay. So, before I go on, I think what's important to realize is just to to set the scene, to to get the context. And and what we see here is Jesus speaking to these groups of people. So we have the, the tax collectors who were Jewish men hired by the Roman government to collect taxes from their own people. They often extorted the Jewish and collected more taxes than was required to fill their own purpose. And so, as a result, they were hated and loathed by everyone. And then we have the sinners. And these are the people who had just given up on religion and the law. It was just too difficult to keep. It could have included prostitutes, criminals. Those were sexually immoral. And even people who were just purposely living without God. They just didn't want anything to do. So they were, those were the sinners. And then we have the Pharisees. Were the highest sect within Judaism, they saw themselves as the most spiritual, full of pride, and keeping the law was really the most important thing. That's probably to them the key to entering the kingdom. It was all about keeping the law. And then we have the scribes, who were interpreters of the law, who often taught the people about the law. Okay, so uh, on one side we have the sinners. And on the other side we have the pharisees and i also want to think where do you fit in if you were standing there and listening to jesus talk about this parable which side would you be on um, maybe you'd be with the pharisees and the religious leaders or maybe with the sinners or somewhere in between just try to think about where you are when you look at your life today and, that. and it's also important to note that originally the Bible did not have chapters, right? There weren't chapters and verses. And I think often that's what can cause us to focus on one aspect of this whole entire story. Um, like, I, like I said, the, 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 the focus is often on the parable of the lost son. And people quickly forget about the two parables before, okay? And so I think it's also important to note that really, they were all part of one stories. And as I started to read that whole entire passage as one story, I started to realize just how linked they are. Okay. And, um, yeah. And so, Luke 19, verses 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Okay, so this is why Jesus came. This is why he's, he's talking to this group. He's trying to emphasize that, you know, I'm here to seek those who are lost. And so as he's speaking to this crowd, Jesus begins to tell the story of a sheep that wanders and gets lost away. That was the parable of the lost sheep. A coin that gets lost at home thats the parable of the lost coin. And then it goes into the parable of the lost son where we hear about the son who gets lost far away and then a son who gets lost at home. Okay. This is a story about how it is possible, like the sinners, to just be far away, to be lost, to want to just do things our own way, but also... More importantly, I feel that we could be coming to church, attending in church, and not realize that we're just as lost as those people that are out there. Okay. So just bear in mind this, this picture as we go through the parable. Um, yes. And so now we're going to go into the parable of the lost sons. And Luke 15, verses 11, says, There was a man who had two sons. Okay, so Jesus here sets the scene. So we have the younger son who asks for his inheritance and wanders away. We have the older son who remains at home working for his father. And then we have the father himself. These are the main characters. And what I love about the father is just the love that he has for his sons the love and the patience he has with both of them, despite the way they react and respond to him. And now we'll talk a little bit about the younger son. And it says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now, this would have been a shocking request from the younger son this would have been essentially him saying to his dad i, I wish you were dead because that's when they received inheritance right when the parents died then you receive but it would have been him saying i i really, I really didn't care about you all i want is what i want now and but the father grants him this request and lets him go and often that's what happens to us you know just like the younger son we have this desire to just go away we wake up one morning and for whatever reason we find ourselves exhausted and just tired of being in the father's house there's something that there is about being in the father's house that is just it just doesn't do it for us anymore and we have this growing desire to just go our own way and live life on our own terms. Okay. I think often what happens is we look to the world and we watch the world as it gets to do whatever it wants. And there's an appeal to that. There's something that's enticing and attractive about being able to go your own way. And you get to decide how you live. And there's something about that lifestyle that seems so good. In the same breath, there's something about following God that just can feel restrictive. I often come across people who just feel like they're burdened. They feel like the Christian life is a burden. And yet what they see outside is seemingly people get to do do what they want they get to feel good that's the message we hear today life is all about feeling good life is all about your truth discovering your truth you know everything has become relative it's all about what makes you feel good as long as you don't hurt people so they say okay and Eve found herself in a very similar position with that desire to take a bite from the forbidden fruit. And as we know from the story, she ended up doing, doing that. And so what I want to just make you aware of is that you know, sin is good. It does. That's, that's the appeal. It looks good. It feels good. And it just has the appearance of, yeah, something about it just looks good okay but it's important to know that there is a price to be paid for going in that direction as we will see further on so jesus warns us in luke 12 verse 15 he says take care and be on your guard against all kinds of covenants for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession okay so this is a warning to us from jesus just just be careful Because often the thing that does draw us away is the desire for things. You know, the desire for worldly possessions. Again, something about that just looks good. It looks amazing. Again, often it feels amazing. And maybe some of you are in that lifestyle. You know, you're living that way. And that could perhaps explain, you know, your lack of desire for God. I mean, why do you need God? When you got everything you could possibly want, you know, often the things that draw us to God is desperation. You know, is crisis in life. That's kind of the gift of going through a tough time and hitting that rock bottom. Is often we're left in a place where we have no choice but to cry out to God. But sometimes the trappings of wealth and success is we we lose that desire for God. We simply don't need him anymore because, well, I got everything that I want. Um, So, again in James 1, verses 14, Jesus reminds us that, it says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth to, desire, to, to death. So it is the evil desires in our heart that eventually lead to a life of sin. And the younger son would soon find out the consequence of choosing to go his own way. Okay. Look, 15 verse 13 says, Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property and reckless living. So he set off to a distant country. So he just wanted to get as far away from the Father as he possibly could get. And so that's again what sin does sin creates the separation between us and God. You know, when we begin to sin, it creates this distance. You know, and often you see it. When people leave the church, they run. They get as far away from God as they possibly can get. And the interesting thing to note, it is us that leave God. God never leaves us. He's always with us. That's the promise we read in the Bible, that he will never forsake us. He's always there for us. But... There's something about living in the world and engaging in all this activity that creates this distance between us and God. Okay. We desire only what fulfills our lustful passions. And then later on, you know, we start to see that there are consequences for engaging in this lifestyle. There is a price to be paid. There is a destiny that awaits those who choose to live a life apart from God. And then it says later on, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. You know, the youngest son finally loses everything. He wastes and squanders everything his father had given him. And things have gotten so bad that he's working amongst pigs. And nothing could be worse for a Jewish son. Pigs were considered unclean animals. and yeah. But such was his desperation that he longed to have even a bite from the pig's food. And what I also found very interesting about this passage is that it says that there was no compassion. There was no compassion or kindness from those around him. And isn't that just like life sometimes? When you have everything, then all your friends, you, you just amass a whole lot of friends and people and women. People want to be around you. But the moment you lose all those things, then it becomes clear who, who you, your friends were. You know, people's true colors start to show when you have very little You know, it's easy when we're wealthy and we're successful, you know, to be, you know, to have friends. You know, it's easy to have, when we have status, to to draw people, to have people want to be with us all the time. But the moment you don't have those things, who cares for you really becomes obvious. It becomes clear. And, um, and the one thing that I wanted to just talk about here is just the importance of connection. Okay? It kind of reminds me of the importance of creating a community of people around you who really, really care for you. And I think one of the most amazing ways of doing that within the church is through joining a connect group. At least that's what I have discovered I think it's within our weekly gatherings or however often you gather that you really begin to build real and intimate relationships with the people. That's when the real growth begins to happen, when you gather around the word with people whom you know, people whom you trust, when we begin to pray together regularly. So this is something I really encourage all of you. Like if you don't have a connect group, I encourage you to find one. You know, if you're not part of a prayer group, join one. You know, I've found those to be extremely helpful. And often the relationships you build from within those groups, I mean, I have friends from, we're all over the world, but every time we meet, it's like, you know, it's like they never left. You know, you just form this deep, meaningful relationship with people that are so important if you're gonna really walk this journey. Because I understand it can be very tough, it can be hard, and what's often very helpful is to have people around you who can hold you accountable. You know, people are willing to tell you the truth about what you're going through. I have that. And that's been key to my growth. And it's not always easy to have people call things out in your life. But in the long run, man, it's, it's one of the best things you can have as a, as a believer. Someone to walk beside you and pray with you. And, and Luke 17, verse 220, it says, but when he came to himself he said how many of my father's highest servants have more than enough bread but i perish here with hunger i will arise and go to my father and i will say to him father i have sinned against heaven and before you i am no longer worthy to be called your son treat me as one of your hired servants and he arose and came to his father but while you are still a long way off his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him Okay. the younger son begins to reflect on his life and the Bible says when he came to himself I think the NIV puts it this way when he came to his senses and how I pray that many of us here would come to our senses I pray that All those who find themselves lost would have this coming to the senses moment where they realize, truly realize, that life apart from God, I mean, there is no life really apart from that which God gives. And this is something that the younger son began to realize. He began to realize that even the servants, those scrubbing the floors, doing the most menial of jobs, Even they have food. It's better to be a servant in the father's home and father's house than to be a king in some distant country. And he realized that because of what he had done, he was not worthy to be called a son. He repented and asked his father to forgive him. And that's also another important step of returning. It's repentance, right? We must repent, church, if we're to come back to God. It's one of the first things that Jesus said when he began his ministry. It's repent for the kingdom of God is near. And also understand that there is forgiveness in the Father's house. You know, we serve a, a Father, we serve a God who longs to forgive us. He's waiting for you, longing to come back home. And so understand that no matter where you are, there's always, you can always return home. Okay. All you need to do is just repent. Turn away from that lifestyle. Turn away from your sins. Ask God to forgive you and he will welcome you in. And then now, I'm going to talk about the older son because when the younger son comes back there is great celebration the father celebrates the returning of the son of, yeah of the the return of the younger son but then this doesn't bring joy to the older son he's out there working doing what he does every day working for the father And then he begins to hear the sound of celebration and singing and music. And then he calls his servants just to ask, what is happening? What is going on there? And he finds out that his younger brother has returned. And this really angers him. He says to his father, look, these many years I have served you and I had never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who devoured your property with prostitute, you killed the fattened calf for him. There's just something about this picture, there's something about this that just doesn't seem right to the son. He's upset, he's angered by this. And this kind of reminds me a little bit of the Pharisees, you know, in the beginning of the story. Remember the the, the people who Jesus is talking to, yeah. You know? And I think much like the Pharisees, much like the older son, we can find ourselves in that position, where perhaps we have been doing all the stuff. It can feel that way. God, I've been praying. I've been going to cell group. I've been serving. I've been doing all these things, and then suddenly, this person whom I know how they've been living, you know, I know the sinful things that they do. They come back, and just like that, their life just turns around. Seemingly, they're getting blessed. Seemingly, they're getting all the things that I've been asking for, and it just feels not fair. It feels unjust. Yeah. Yeah. But I love the response of the father to his older son. Yeah. Again, always responds with love, with patience and gentleness towards them. He says to him, "Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours." That's what the father said to him. "You were never without lack. Everything that I have is yours." But again, for whatever reason, the son felt like like, God, that, like his father was holding out on him, you know like it just wasn't right. And we can feel that way sometimes. And, and that's something to just bear in mind as you're on your journey if you do find yourself in that place where perhaps you're doing all the things, remember, our Christian life isn't about what we do. Be careful of getting into that religious works kind of mindset where we're trying to work your way into the grace of God. Okay. We are here because Jesus Christ died for us. The truth is, none of us are deserving to be here. None of us are. It doesn't matter whether you've been faithfully serving from day one, or whether you've never entered the church and this is your first day. We're all on the same page. It is because of the grace and the love of God, the love of Jesus, that we are where we are. Okay. And finally, the Father... I love the father's heart for his sons. He loves them so much. We see a picture of a father who stood there waiting for his younger son to return home. I love this image, this is one of my favorite moments in this parish for me personally, because I always have this image of a father who's just daily waking up, waiting by the horizon, just looking there to see if that will be the day that his son comes home. then the Bible says while he was still a long way off his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him if you have turned away from God and find yourself living in sin I just want to let you know that God longs for you to come back home he loves you you know often when we are living in sin it can be hard to return because we feel condemned we start to think, man, I have messed up so much. How can God possibly want me to return? But it's important to know that we have an enemy. And the Bible tells us the enemy he condemns. Condemnation comes from him. Not from God. And it's something to be aware of when you find yourself in that place where perhaps you you. You feel ashamed or whatever you feel but for every reason you find it hard to return to God. Know that God loves you and when he looks upon you, he looks upon you with compassion and longs for you to return. We serve a forgiving father which is full of grace and love. And I love how the father celebrates when, when his son returns know that this is what happens when one sinner gets saved when the lost return there's a celebration that is happening heaven celebrates when even one who is lost comes back it's a wonderful thing when people turn their lives to God it really is It's it's something to celebrate And this is something that we also see in the previous um, parables. Uh, There is, in the parable of the lost sheep, the Bible tells us there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous who do not repent, who do not need to repent. In the parable of the lost coin, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then the father says to his older son, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Yeah. He says we have to celebrate because your brother is alive now. He's alive. Church, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We, like the lost son, have chosen to go away at some point, squandered what the Father has given us, and perhaps like the oldest son, found ourselves just living a religious life. You know, thinking ourselves better than other people. But despite all this, we have a Father who loves us. He loves you just as you are. He loved you so much that He sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. And so I urge you, Church, to repent, turn away from your sins. And come back home. If you're one of those people that find yourself lost, come back home. I believe Jesus is just calling you and saying, come, come to the Father. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how much you feel you've messed up. Just come to the Father. Just enter into the house of the Father. Just come just as you are. Okay, and yeah, and that's all I had to share this morning. And I really do pray, church, as Craig says, you know, my heart is for this church. It really is, it truly is. You know, I I spent time reflecting the other day, thinking about why it matters so much. Why do you care, Kellyanne? why does it matter so much and it's because when I read the scriptures I see men and women who are passionate about Jesus Christ their life was all about Jesus Christ and my prayer and my, for you is that you would have an encounter with that Jesus Christ and that if you don't know Jesus Christ, that you would come to know him. You would meet this Jesus Christ who hears so often about in the Bible. Okay. And I said to God, God, that is my hope. That's my prayer for Hope Church. And if there's anything that I can do to help spread that message, I am here. So yeah, so know that Hope Church, you are loved, you are loved by the Father, and if you find yourself living in a life of sin, repent and turn to the Father, for He loves you.